Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Bases Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday afternoon, a little bit later today, but thank you for joining us. Nonetheless, uh, we are live in Facebook at the Baseball Life Facebook group, and I am joined, as always, by my favorite co-hosts in the world. Felipe Malicio is with me today. Felipe, how are you doing? Hi, how's it going? Ha! <laughs> 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 I'm off guard. Yeah, the whole high how's it going controversy from this past week, but I, I I'm feeling oh, oh okay, yeah. I, that that, 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 that one went over okay. that one went over my head. That was a one good went one. Over my head too, and it was my thing. So <laughs> it's like it's like we're, we're now having to think about how we greet people <laughs> as well. It's it, welcome to 21st century. I, we're, we've been we've been more advanced than ever in society, but we still have to think about hi, how's it going, and the way we treat people. Yeah, hey. hi, how are you? Apparently, is not a good enough greeting. Hi, hi. hello. What does I mean, he mean by that? you you guys knew. I mean, my reply, my answer to that question was the first thing you should ask a person when you meet them is Pete Rose a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, and, and, and like instantly, you can just cut down fifty percent of people based on how they answer. If oh, I would say it's even more depending on your opinion <laughs> on whether Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer or not. Listen, man, if she says yes, you dump her. You dump her fast because all you've seen is the tip of the iceberg. You, you dump her like a little base hit, opposite field to left, or you know, little Judy punch hitter like Pete Rose, like he dumped it into left field, right? Damn, I'm not sure if you're describing Pete Rose or Tony Gwynn over here. <laughs> Or if it's uh, or if it's uh, um, what is it? Who's Pete Rose? Oh, oh there <laughs> that who's Pete Rose. Bye. That you, you see, like honestly though, I would probably wait another five minutes on that one because maybe <laughs> they're one of those people that have no clue about anything in sports, and I feel like that would actually be a blessing sometimes. It's like I when, when when the Mets lost, I was just like I, the only the last thing I wanted to talk about was sports. I just kind of sat there for a minute, finished watching House of Dragons with the wife. And uh, I turned off the phone. I said, Mets lost. And she goes, I'm sorry. And I was like, I don't care. Just stop. Just watch the show. Just stop. She hasn't even, she hasn't even started. What are you talking about? Just stop. Listen, man, those people who don't know, the girls who don't know who Pete Rose is, they will definitely know who Derek Rose is. So, Oh, jeez. <laughs> Did you uh, introduce our third member yet? Also, I have not introduced the third member yet. He just I, intru- I, intru- I introduced myself. He introduced himself. <laughs> Sean is here today as well. Sean, how's it going? Oh, you know, more of the same. Trying to find all the females who know who Pete Rose is. <laughs> I, I, I'm that's going to be my gimmick today. Like uh, That's just what I'm going for now. I'm sorry. What do you mean by how, hi, how's it going? What are you trying to say there? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you trying to prove? What, what, do, you, what do you want? Hi, how's it going? He's what just, do you he's just what do you mean? His mind off the fact that his Mets lost. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean WRC plus is important? Like, <laughs> oh, maybe that would be a good one. You ask him about what their thoughts on WRC plus is. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that that nice. the, you, know, you you might not get many uh, replies back on that one. Maybe not. <laughs> All I gotta say about this, I am glad that I am not uh, part of the online dating community yet. So, me too. I am right there with you, boss. I say yet because I'm, I'm you know, getting ready to be done with it, bro. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> I say yet because you never know what can happen in the next uh, couple of years <laughs> or so. But uh, I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that from the beginning, middle, or end, or right now, the late stage dating in the 21st century. Nah, not for me, man. Not for me. But um, anyway, enough dating advice from me for one day. We are here <laughs> to talk about 
put a little recap, put a little hat on it on the recently accomplished, recently completed 2022 regular season. Sorry, 22 regular season as, uh, you know, we do our annual FUBAR show, which is Felipe's Ultimate Baseball Advanced Rankings, where I use some of the advanced stats to uh, help me make sense of baseball. The only way I know how it can make sense to me, and that's by utilizing some of the more advanced statistics uh, over at the at the Fangraphs website. Uh, going team by team, ranking them accordingly. You know, if, if a team leads in, say, FIP, for example, which is field independent pitching, which only cares about how many time, how many people you strike out. Can you control your walks? Can you control your home runs? What happens if there are no fielders out there? That's what field independent pitching ERA does for you. I literally rank, or actually this year, Austin was so kind to help me rank the best team getting 30 points, the second best team getting 29 points, the third best team getting 28 points, and so on and so forth, with the worst team getting one point for his, for their troubles. And I did that with starting pitching, bullpen, uh, offense, and fielding. And, uh, the, and then, like I have been doing since 2020, I added some, uh, I did some weighted scores. So hitting is worth a percentage. I think starting pitching is the most important percent. Uh, it gobbles up most of the uh, percentages. I guess it, I think I waited 33 or 35% on starting pitching because everybody told me how important starting pitching is. And then bullpen is right there. And then field independent pitching. Uh, I'm sorry, the fielding aspect, which I use defensive run save, that gets the least amount of percentage points to uh, my weighted score. And, you know, it, it calculates on a, on a spreadsheet. And that is how we end up getting the Yankees as the number one team in all of baseball, which, uh, as you guys remember, we talked about this when we did our preview show um, last year, as I'm sharing my screen. Um, we've The Fangraphs projected war standings had the Yankees as the best offense, the best starting rotation, and the best bullpen uh, to start the season. And that's how these statistics uh, ended up awarding the Yankees the number one position to end the 2022 season uh, with a weighted score of 27.65, just eking out the Dodgers and a, and a grade. I use grade, you know, Austin, you're a teacher, 92.2%. That's what an A, A minus, something like that. Yep. And that's despite, you know, winning quote unquote, only 99 games. They didn't even get to hundred because they're losers, but they, <laughs> they, they are, but it's pretty impressive that they end up being the best team in a very tough division excuse me, in a very tough division that was full of uh, other playoff teams and very um, uh, notable teams uh, uh, that competed this season. It seemed like all five teams were in contention for the entirety of the year. But as you'll see, maybe those other teams were not as highly touted as we thought to begin with. But other than that, let's start with uh, let's start with Austin here. What do you think of the Yankees finishing at the top of the leaderboard with, with all these advanced stats? Um, I'm not – I'm not – I mean – this one is tough because, yeah, I like looking at the advanced stats too, but I also like looking at the eye test. And really, the, the Yankees were really good for the first half of the season. I don't think anybody will would say uh, without would say without a doubt that the Yankee that, that anybody else other than the Yankees were the best team in the majors. Um, but they were not consistent. They just fell off they fell off for that month two months whatever where the only person that was doing anything was was Aaron Judge so it's tough for me to say that the Yankees were the best overall because I think honestly I think the Dodgers probably could have something to say about that I think they were a little more consistent um, consistently good throughout the year 
I, mean, I like I, that. Not consistent. You win 99 games, but you're not consistent enough, damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you when you think about it here though, like I said, there was that month, month and a half where they just fell off the face of the earth and weren't winning any games. And uh that and during that time the Dodgers were still winning games. So do I think they were one of the best teams in the in the majors? Yes. Do I think they're the best team? I think that could be left up to some argument here. Um but I mean, numbers also, you know, you, you, there's the old adage numbers don't lie. And they translated to nine, a 99 win season didn't translate to a world series win, which I don't think anybody, any of us are all that surprised that they didn't win mm. the world series this year. But I, I don't know if I could call them the, without a doubt, best team in the majors this year. Yeah. And surprisingly, uh, Sean, you'll appreciate this. The Yankees ended up being the, the number one fielding team, according to defensive run save, not just squeaking by some of these other teams, but they basically won in a landslide, the fielding title for this season. And I mean, and it, it, we, we've, we talked about all the moves that they made from last season to this year, the biggest one being switching Glavar Torres to second base and then having uh, Isaiah Kiner for left as their starting shortstop and maybe Josh Donaldson. I, I I don't know what Josh Donaldson did this year fielding wise, but he's ended up being the new third baseman for that team, uh, getting rid of Gary Sanchez. Uh, they did all these things and it, and it amounted to uh, uh, the number one DRS team in all of baseball. Anything else you can account for as to why their feeling was so dominant this season? I Their feeling was good. I will give them that Uh, not only did they lead in DRS as FUBAR here shows, but they did finish fifth in StatCast's outs above average. Uh, There were basically six teams that were 20 or plus, uh, 20 outs above average or more. Um, And then the seventh and eighth were like 12, 10, 11. Uh, The Mets ended up being eighth, Dodgers ninth at 10. Uh, But yeah, the Yankees finished fifth at 22 outs above average, which was exactly half of the number one team, which was actually the Arizona Diamondbacks, which I I thought was really interesting. But then you look, Nick Ahmed, Dalton Varsho, Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll, they came up all played great defense. But ironically, it seems like the last two games, if we look at a very small microcosm of the Yankees, against a team like Cleveland, who's just kind of like dunked them away. And like, you look at some of the hits last night and the comeback and the night before, uh, it doesn't look like the Yankees are the best defensive team in baseball. I definitely do think they were probably, like I said, top five, top 10. Um, but, uh, yeah, DRS, uh, was very kind to them this year. Uh, and I know it's it's been kind to guys like uh, IKF in the past. Of course, like you said, getting Glaber off of shortstop to second base, that's an automatic plus. Rizzo's always been loved by DRS as a, you know, goal glove caliber first baseman. Um, and then uh, I guess less time for somebody like Hicks in center field when they finally decided to move Judge over to center. Uh, you lose a little bit of Judge's DRS from right field, but you're uh, not losing as much in center field where it's really important. Yeah, and then Oswaldo Cabrera, who was recently called up, uh, ended up with nine DRS to finish out the season. So that also ended up being a pivotal move by them. Uh, Jose Trevino being the the leader of that yeah. stat uh, of the of that stat for the Yankees as well. That ended up being a big difference for them. That's why he ended up being a, a shortstop. Uh, but yeah, little little itty bitty things like that really um, ended up being a big improvement for that 
for this team who uh, seem to have struggled with that small ball. And you mentioned the Guardians. Guardians right there defensively. I mean, yep. if any if any team's going to do things uh, doing it with the pitching and the and the fielding, it's the Guardians who had one of the better uh, bullpens. Even though they're starting rotation, Sean, we talked about it all the time. Man, this rotation sucks, even with Shane Bieber. But they just do enough to get the job done. And then once you give it to that bullpen, that staunch bullpen that we've been clamoring over this past season, led by Emmanuel Classe, and you can see why the Guardians are uh, are where they are right now in the playoffs. Uh, they ended up being the sixth best team on the spreadsheet here, uh, but just a little bit outside the more elite teams. As you can see, there were you could say that there were five really really good teams. And then everybody else in orange here that, you, that I'm highlighting here ended up being a uh, little bit, I um, uh, guess, well, well below that caliber. Yeah. Uh, the next the next batch of teams. But you can see the Guardians are right there and they can compete with anybody uh, despite their lack of offense. Although, as you see, Sean, a lot of the seems like the Mets players on that team, the ex-Mets players, I should say, on that team yep. is uh, kind of a. Uh, getting them from series to series. Would you say that? Like I said, their offense, you know, they were like towards the bottom and home runs. Uh, But when you started to see, especially in the second half, when they called up some of the guys that they did, that there's a, an archetype that they were looking for. And then like, they still have even more guys that are sitting in double A, triple A right now that fill this, you know, kind of the stereotype of just get up there and hit. I mean, put the bat on the ball. And Stephen Kwan, we did it from day one this year. They called up Will Brennan, who had the pinch hit RBI hit last night as well. Uh, Very much the same type of hitter as uh, Stephen Kwan. Andres Jimenez, you know, grindy hitter. Ahmed Rosario has always been, you know, lightning quick with the bat. It was just figuring out when he needs to swing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the... It's very fun to watch them. People say, oh, they're a terrible offense. I don't think it's a terrible offense. I think it's just one of those we haven't seen. And I wouldn't even say they're not like or they're like Kansas City, because I think this team actually draws their walks. They don't oh, yeah. oh, they're not overly aggressive, but they just put forth really good at bats. Um you know, I'm really excited to see what they do. I, I did want to go back. Oswaldo Cabrera's nine DRS came in only 27 games, 24 of which he started. Uh, I can definitely see where a lot of his DRS is coming from. He had six putouts in 27 or 24 starts in right field. Uh, so that will likely change as less teams run on him. We yeah. see this a lot with DRS uh, when a guy uh, is like a former infielder or there's not really a good book on him in the outfield. Juan Lagares did the same thing. And I believe 2012, 2013 threw out like 13 guys in half a season and uh, had a sky high DRS. And then it kind of it, it dropped back down to, you know, just above average um, as teams stopped running on him. <laughs> So, yeah, and it's kind of like the same argument with Mike Trout. People were saying, Mike, well, according to the stats, Mike Trout doesn't have a really good arm. And it just goes back to the question, like, is it because Mike Trout really doesn't have a good arm at center field? Or is it because teams are just not running on him anymore? And it's causing his numbers to dip defensively. That's why it's not an exact science with the defensive stats uh, yet to this point. I know outs above average are trying and, and other stat cast number statistics are trying to kind of change that uh and revolutionize the way we measure defense but it's still uh it still comes down to 
a small sample size. And that's why a lot of these uh, websites, they suggest you might want to look for a two year, maybe even a three year yeah. sample size. And even then, you know, three years is a long time. I mean, there's a lot of things that could change. Like you mentioned, uh, positioning changes, uh, injuries, age, athleticism, waning, uh, change in position. I think I might have mentioned that already. So lots of factors that go in on this. But as of right now, Osvaldo Cabrera ended up being a really good defensive player for the Yankees on, on, on such such short amount of time. So we're seeing that the top six uh, teams are the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Braves, and Guardians, right? Three of those AL teams in the top six are still playing fairly well, or at, they're still alive, the Yankees and the Astros. Astros advanced last night. Yankees are about to uh, uh, bring out uh, Garrett Cole today uh, to see if uh, they can shut the door down on the Guardians. Because the Yankees are still winning the series, right? Two games to one, I believe. No, I... Cleveland's up two to one. Cleveland's up. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they, they walked stay... off last night. Yeah. Right, they have to right. stay alive. Okay. Yeah, that's how sick I've been. I've been sleeping all day and just barely getting a chance to watch the Dodgers and Padres. That was a fun game last night, too. But that was, uh, that was a real fun game. And I even watched some of the um, Mariners and Astros game in the last inning, and people are saying it's a boring game. I don't know. Maybe it's because I only watched like the last three or four innings. But I was <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat, man. Who's telling you know, those people to watch an entirety of 18-game uh 18 inning game who's telling you to do that go take a walk come back and watch it <laughs> see if it's still I, but then I you hate, don't know if it's gonna end <laughs> i hate saying i hate i hate it when people say this but i'm i think i'm gonna kind of contradict myself and say it is if you were if you thought that that game was a snooze fest you don't know crap about baseball because yeah. that was a fantastic pitching performance i mean but on both sides, the pitching was fantastic and good pitching always beats good hitting. We had nine. I think we had like 17, 18, 19 hits uh, total by the end of the, by the end of the whole, by the end of the game. So the fact that we had that many hits and the pitchers were still getting outs were, it was Fan, it, it was zero zero all the way up to the 18th inning. In my opinion, if if you're sitting there arguing that's why we need the runner at second base, then go watch another sport because <laughs> it's it. I, the fact that you thought that that was a snooze, I was on the edge of my seat from inning one to inning 18. I watched. I started watching the game from inning one, and then I had to go somewhere, and then I went out. So I was listening to the game, and then when I went out, I was I was at. I was at the place where I was at and I literally was like, Hey, turn the game on because I want to watch it. And yeah. they turned the game on and everybody that was there was glued yep. to the television because we wanted to see who was going to end up scoring. For me, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time because it was such a great pitching performance. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there is something to be said about a game going for six hours. That That is too long. It, it was basically two games in one. But you guys saw it. I mean, people were feeling sorry for the Mariners fan who were there the whole game. Yeah. But you saw it. They were there for the whole game. It was loud, rambunctious. It was a packed house. I, I saw a tweet saying that the that this that the that they stopped serving beer like three hours ago, for, and these poor souls are still out there. What poor souls? They look happy as hell of me. <laughs> yeah. the, the only reason they, until the game until they lost. Well, yeah, that was, that was my next point. I was going to say, well, then then the the game ended and that was it for their season. But uh, I don't know. There has I wouldn't mind. I, I don't mind this. The 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 runner at second base to start every inning after ten or eleven innings. I don't know. 
uh, it is too long, but it is, it creates that high drama that we all want. And people complaining about the Mariners not being able to hit. Have, do they know the Astros are one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball as you're seeing? Yeah. Them? That was my thing with that game was I like Austin. I appreciate a great pitching matchup, but at some point, like enough's enough. I mean, it, it felt like Seattle was at the inherent disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, Houston was able to turn around and throw out Luis Garcia, uh, who ate up those last five innings, which to me I think was one of the most like impressive postseason appearances I've ever seen of a guy not who's a starting pitcher, not expected to be used this game. And, and he Sean, goes out there. What was, I was that? Gonna, I was going to say, Sean. And then just as uh, they were wondering if Garcia can go uh, past those five innings, they had Jose or Quiddy, uh in the bullpen, like the luxury to have a Luis Garcia yeah. and a Jose or Quidi coming out of your bullpen is such a luxury yeah. to have that and not I, many it, teams can have. But I think kind of where the, the rock meets the hard place in terms of this is you just had a game with 42 strikeouts, mm. which I mean, I can appreciate like a lot of them are like, yeah, real energetic, you know, George Kirby striking out Altuve in the seventh inning um, for his last uh, out was awesome. And, you know, he he fucking he screamed. He was like, ah, like, yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, but a, a, a team like Houston, who really never strikes out, had uh, granted this was an 18 inning game. So there's going to be more strikeouts. They struck out 20 times, only walked once. They didn't have wow. a walk until like well inside, I think, the 15th or 16th inning. Yeah, it was uh, wild. Um, and, and then on the other side, uh, Seattle only walked three times, 22 strikeouts. Um, I, I think that's where it gets a little. OK, nobody's going to score. And then finally, they, they, they get the solo shot and that ended up being enough. It's not just that they're not scoring, that nothing's happening. That's the yeah, other it's all, mean, it was a lot of just strikeout, 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 ground out, strikeout, ground out, strike. That's all that that game felt like. And people questioning the Mariners. I mean, have you guys not seen the Mariners? Why are you questioning the Mariners? That's a damn good team with a really good bullpen. So it yes. wasn't surprising that that they went toe-to-toe with a very dominant Houston Astros pitching staff. But you're right. Uh, it is the, it is what we talk about since forever and a day now. It's the lack of action. It's the lack of the balls in play even when the balls are in play they're weak grounders to the shift or to the pitcher or to the shortstop and these shortstops are so damn good nowadays i mean was that it was jeremy pena hit the with the game yeah hit the home run there's one right there the shortstop for the astros who carlos correa who we don't need him we got a jeremy pena who's waiting on the wings um and it's pretty remarkable what the houston astros have done despite the loss of uh, key players to free agency despite the fact that they are forever uh, smeared because of what happened in 2017 and dusty baker is might finally win his first world series championship but you know he's uh put that team in a good position to yeah. forget all that noise forget all that stuff that they say about you just go out focus on the game play win games win that weak ass division out west <laughs> and take care of business and that's what they do they'll and, and it's a, as you know sean and austin we talk about it that's a damn factory that is what a farm system should look like oh you know, yeah you lose one good player bring up two more from the farm system chas mccormick meet yeah hunter brown was else. a guy that pitched two innings last night you know top pro, uh pitching prospect arm and this is after yep. they traded away you know a good bit of prospect capital uh when they acquired uh who is it um grinky a couple years ago like they they, they traded away some pieces yep. um but they, it's like they don't miss a beat it's just the next guy up 
Yeah, Hunter Brown's the guy that we've been touting from the very beginning. Austin, that was one of the guys that we looked at when we were doing our spreadsheets at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season for yep. the uh, uh, yeah for the 2022 uh, start of the season. And I'm like, hey, look out for this Hunter Brown guy. He might, I think he might be end up doing something special for this team. And sure enough, he does. Uh, and that's what them. They still have Phil Matone or May- Mayton, whatever. Uh, yeah, Mayton. Yeah, isn't he? Didn't he break his hand or something? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I don't think he's active. I, I like you said. I think he broke his hand. Uh, I remember something. You mentioned the trades that they did. That was one guy that they actually that they really wanted from the Guardians, if I remember correctly. And I believe he broke his hand to, uh, before the uh, the start of the series. But they, you know, that was. A guy that they actually lost, uh, from what I understand, a, a, an important piece in that bullpen. Yeah, yeah he, and, pu- he he punched his locker. When that was that was that was in like the last game of the year against the Phillies in the regular season. Is he friends like, with Devin Williams or Huascar? You know, Huascar, you know, yeah. But uh, who was the one for uh, Cleveland? Uh, please act. Please act. Yeah, please oh, act. Really? <laughs> what is with oh, he punched the mound though? That was impressive. Oh, yeah, like, that, that was straight in the dirt. <laughs> uh, it looks like Phil Ma- Matson was not having a good season, from what I remember. Oh well, I guess it was a so-so season. He was not the uh, the the deciding factor, but he did have a double-digit strikeout per nine inning. But yeah. like I said, you know, that's a that's a hell of a team they got there. So the uh, American League is uh, living up to expectations. And then you got a team like the Dodgers who just got eliminated yesterday. I mean, you see all this red, all this red, and it was all for now. Red is good, by the way, folks. Red is always good. But really quick shout out to Angel and Jacob who are listening in on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Thank you, guys. They were part of the uh, uh, our basketball, our fantasy basketball league. And I just did an episode with Jacob uh, breaking down all all 12 team, uh, the draft that we had recently, which, uh, Sean, you'll appreciate that. Uh, it's a slow draft. So oh, look at, look at us go. They, they bought in, they bought into the slow draft mania. Like if you guys have never done a slow fantasy draft, I strongly suggest you just get out and do it. It's fun. It's so much fun. There is a feel. There's like not this. Fun. I hate it. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, you're, you're in the, you're in the wrong leagues, man. You're in the wrong leagues. I hate it, man. The you're one, the, the the one that I think I did it in like three leagues and the drafts took like two weeks. I was like, Oh my God, just pick. Oh, that's no, cute. That's our, cute. Our, <laughs> I draft. We started our basketball draft. I mean, we only had to draft thir- 13 rounds because it was a three keeper player uh, league. Uh, next year we start fresh. So it goes back to 16 rounds, but we did 13 rounds. We started once we got the keeper situated, we started that draft at 2 AM central time. And it finished at around, uh, wait, let me rephrase that, 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And the draft concluded at about 11 o'clock p.m. on a Tuesday night. So what is that, Sunday, Tuesday? It was like three three and a half days. Three and a half day turnaround. And same thing with our baseball, Jeff. I think they're getting shorter and shorter at this point. Well, it's also shorter because we have more keepers. Yeah, we also have more keepers. But I mean, that's, yeah, the first draft. I, I, I will never forget the... First slow draft I did was my first ever league on Fantrax. It was a 30, the, the 30 teamer. Yeah. And that went on for about a month. That one was absolutely brutal. Well, uh, our, I think ours lasted about only a week. 
less than a week. I, I, I want to say the first well, one was a little under I, two I weeks. I can't. I don't have that much patience. But I just. <laughs> I want to. I want to get it done and no, over with. Like you're in the no. you're in the wrong leagues, man. I mean, everybody complains about a slow draft until they do a slow draft, and then they. They don't. They don't want to go ever go back to the old ways because it's no, so much fun. I've done a slow draft. I've done like three or four of them. Yeah, I like it. I said, you're in the wrong leagues, man. I'm telling you, you're in the wrong Ugh. leagues. Uh, ask Sean. Sean, uh, aren't our slow drafts even if they last ten days? Let's say they last ten days. Aren't our slow drafts fun? Yeah, and I mean, uh, TGFBI was like the first like regular. Granted, that's a fifteen team league. Um, and that's a uh, slow draft. Uh, we have, and it's funny, there's people that are involved in TGFBI that actually keep track of which drafts and like they, they do it in like a whole damn spreadsheet, like which one's finished first, break it down by picks per, you know, minute. What it's really funny. And uh, we always joke that the next year we're going to put all the people that we kept track of that took forever to draft and always let their timer run down or whatever. We're just going to put all of them in the same league one year. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was the league I was in. It just let it all. I'm like, Oh, will you get like 12 hours? Just pick like, God, why? That's why, that's why I'm like, you know what? If you don't know after a couple minutes, just, no, you don't get to pick then you, you, you get whatever the queue gives you. You get my sort of Viking. Yeah. I, I just, that's what happened with the Vikings uh, a year uh, for one season where they uh, they didn't submit their pick on time. So the NFL decided to just award the the time to the next team over. So I think they missed out on two picks or something to that effect because of it. But maybe that's what happened. But we don't have that kind of ability to do that in fantasy drafts. But like I said, even the basketball one, we had some uh, a couple of newcomers and that was a lot of fun. We, you know, just busting each other's chops and. Uh, speculating as to who the next picks are going to be. I make fun of all the Homer picks, especially Aaron Zook, who uh, selects all the Raptor, Toronto Raptor players that she can get her hands on, even the ex-Toronto Raptors that she can get her hands on. So, yeah, it just uh, depends on who's in your league, and that's what makes it fun. It's, uh, it's all about your league mates. Anyway, but let's go back to the Dodgers. And, uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people parading around like the Dodgers were <laughs> – like the Dodgers hurt their feelings a long time ago, and now they're gonna they're here for revenge. And now here, once again, questioning Dave Roberts' ability, questioning what the Dodgers do as a, as a team and from top to bottom. And I all I'm gonna say about this is, all 29 other teams should look at the Dodgers and try to emulate whatever the hell they're doing because the Dodgers are yeah. always gonna win. They're the best. They have the best ownership group, the best front office. Andrew Friedman. Who's gonna question Andrew Friedman? Uh, the manager, uh, you could take it or leave it, but all does Dave Roberts has, is not bumbling it. You know, he's not Aaron Boone. I, I refuse to believe that Dave Roberts is the same as Aaron Boone. No, uh, but but if you want to, you want to say that any manager could have done what Dave Roberts has done. Uh, that's your Probably. prerogative. Yeah, <laughs> maybe because like I said, managers will. will what is that old saying? Go, managers will end up losing more games than winning more games. But if that's the case, then then it really doesn't matter. I mean, and people. From what I understand, players love Dave Roberts. I've yeah. never heard anyone complain about Dave Roberts. And the final thing, the most important thing about this Dodgers team and the White Sox, I hope they are paying attention, is not only do they spend the cash, but they spend the cash um, systematically where yeah. they now have the Behind best, the scenes. Behind, exactly. The best farm system in baseball for the umpteenth year. I don't care what Baseball America says if they decide to go another route. This is the benchmark. This is the, the standard as to what the real baseball team should be run. And instead of like making fun or, or or laughing or saying, well, the Dodgers are a bunch of losers that are never going to win, which is not true. I mean, you don't win 111 games by accident. We should be applauding them and 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 see if they can do it again next season because they more than likely are still going to be the best team in all of baseball next season as well. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh, who wants to go first? Austin, I'll let you take it first. 
So I think um, in turn, I think definitely in the long run, the Dodgers are the one of, if not the best team in baseball. I think it is a great example of how a baseball team should run. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're always, they're always competing. They're always looking to get better. Um, they're, you know, the, we've got a tanking problem in the MLB and, you know, it's, it doesn't make for fun baseball. What makes for fun baseball is what the Dodgers are doing. Coming from an Angels fan, you know, what the Dodgers are doing is the model of what a competitive baseball team should be doing. They should always be looking to develop their players, should always be looking to, you know, make a uh, make a trade or make some sort of move that's going to make their team better. But what is interesting is, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to move into the, uh, short series part of this because I don't I don't think anybody can argue much like the Yankees. Um, I think the Dodgers, in my mind, the Dodgers were the best team this year. They were consistently the best team. They were consistently good. Um, but in terms of the short series, here's what I'm here's what I'm seeing is really interesting. Um, so I was also looking at this for the Yankees and Cleveland series, and this is and it this is what brought me to uh, the Dodgers Padres series. So. Um, I was looking at Babbitt um, on fan graphs and um, Cleveland actually is very close to the top 10. I think they're 13th in Babbitt. The mm. Yankees are 27th in Babbitt. So I was like, okay, well, that means obviously that the, uh, that Cleveland is getting, when they make contact, they're getting on base more when they make contact. But the question is how often are they swinging and how often are they making contact on those swings? So then I decided to look at swing percentage and I decided to look at a uh, contact percentage. Uh, Cleveland in terms of swing percentage is 19th, 47 and a half percent, which is not, is not obvious. Obviously they're 19th. They're in the bottom half, but the Yankees are 29th in swing percentage, right? Yeah. So now, now then now you look at contact percentage of those swings. When are they making contact? Cleveland number one, 80.8%. New York, uh, the, the Yankees, 21st, 75.8%. So I was like, well, okay, maybe that is kind of a reason why Cleveland is doing, on top of their fantastic pitching, you know, the fact that they're making more contact with their swings is why Cleveland is doing better than New York right now. So I decided to look at it for, um, for LA and... San Diego. San Diego. Thank you. LA and San Diego. So now when you look at that, let's see the BABIP. I'm going back and forth. Uh, when you look at the BABIP for San Diego and LA, uh, LA, their BABIP is sixth with 302. Mm-hmm. And then the Padres, 289, are 289. They are good for 18th. Right. Uh, in, uh, oh, uh, I think you're right. I, yeah, I was looking at something else, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, tied for 17th with the Angels. Okay. okay so okay. that means, obviously, in terms of when they make contact, the Dodgers are getting more hits, which you would probably surmise to be, you know, you could probably guess with all of the stars that are lined in that in that offense for um, for L.A. But then when you look at swing percentage, uh, the Padres are 26th, 45.7% swing percentage. 
The Dodgers are 23rd, 46.4. So they're both patient swinging teams. Mm-hmm. Contact percentage. The Padres are fifth in contact percentage. So when they swing, they are making contact, right? The mm-hmm. Dodgers are, oh, I just saw them. Where did they go? <laughs> They're 15th, 76.8%. Yeah. So I think this contact percentage, the BABIP, you know, there's a 20 point separation, but I don't know. It just seems like the more you make contact with your swings, I think we've seen it a bunch of times and they've said the announcers have said it too. You never know what's going to happen. If you make contact with the ball, if you don't make contact with the ball, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to get out. But if you make contact with the baseball, anything can happen. If we, and we've seen some, you know, we've seen some little swinging bunts. We've seen all kinds of stuff in this playoffs. When these playoffs where you're like, I did not think that that was going to be a hit. And it ended up being a hit which is why I think Cleveland is having so much success against New York and why San Diego ultimately ended up beating the Dodgers out because they need more contact. And that's all that Babbitt is. It's just can you generate your own luck is basically what they're saying. And I don't know. It's kind of inconclusive at this when you're doing the Dodgers and Padres because the Dodgers ended up with a higher Babbitt anyway. Exactly. Uh, And I I believe there's something to say about home runs. the proliferation of home runs, especially if your team hits a lot of them, you tend to see lower BABIPs because home runs are not counted in BABIP because it's not a ball in play. It's simply a home run. Uh, that's the Yankees this year led the league in home runs, 254. Uh, they had a 276 BABIP. Uh, the only team there uh, in the top five, Yankees, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Houston, LA, uh, the Dodgers, uh, all had uh, 212 at least home runs. Milwaukee and Houston, 278, 279 bad up right there with New York. Atlanta had a 303 and LA had a 302. So I think there is there, there's a relationship there between hitting a lot of home runs and possibly it hurting your, you know, hurting your bad up. Um, but you can still make equal amounts of contact, but your bad might be a little lower because you have less balls that are in play compared yeah. to teams that don't hit a lot of home runs and that have more balls in play. Um, so and, and there has to be something to say. Yeah, I mean, we know that the little squib- the little squibblers down the line that end up being fair. Uh, that's part of it as well. But it, it also comes. I know you. The whole thing is contact. You got to make contact. But it also depends on what type of contact you're making. Yeah. Let's face it. Those little squibblers, more than likely, those are going to be outs more than they're going to be hits. And, and and same thing. If they're, if, they're, if the contact ball is uh, being grounded up the middle to shortstop into the shift, then it's really unimportant it's still a win for the defensive team but here's where it gets interesting because you know a lot of those teams you mentioned they're still they're not aggressive like they're not aggressive like the kansas city royals were in 2015 2014 no the yankees even though uh i don't know i forgot what their contact rates are but and the bad is pretty low because of what sean said about the home runs uh, they led the league in walks and, and walk percentage at, they were the only double digit team that went uh in the walk percentage category at 10.1 uh, the Dodgers are in third in walk percentage. The Padres are sixth and are actually tied for fifth in walk percentage. And the Astros are eighth in walk percentage. So a lot of good teams. The Mariners are number two. Who else is in a, the Brewers, who uh, Sean mentioned as well. They're number four in walk percentage. They were contending all season long. The Astros are eighth. The St. Louis Cardinals are ninth. The Minnesota Twins are 10th, who they're also competing. So, yeah, 
I mean, a walk, we got to remind folks that walks are just as good as hits sometimes, if not uh, equally, especially if they're just going to be singles. And then you go to strikeout rates. Uh, I mean, Cleveland, that's the number one thing you just mentioned. Somebody mentioned they don't strike out. They're the number one lowest strikeout team in terms of hitters, followed by the Astros, the Mets, playoff team, the, the Blue Jays, Cardinals, playoff teams. That's the top five. The White Sox, uh, they were everybody's favorite for this season, but they got a lot of bunch of free swingers on that team who make enough contact to not strike out. The Royals are out there too, not striking out a lot, even though they sucked. And the Padres swing, uh, to my surprise, not a lot, but that's um, probably because Fernando Tatis is nowhere to be found. To be found. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Dodgers are eleventh, so it, you know they make it. They they they're it's you know it's still a. I don't want to say it's a patient team's game, but so far the teams you mentioned, they're pretty damn patient. I think yeah. what the highest ranked team was 19th in swing percentage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sean, what, go ahead. Are you going to say uh, something? So, yeah. I was just going to carry up to the original question of, you know, that you had about Roberts and the Dodgers and, you know, trying to build what they have it, and to fans that are like, Oh, Dave Roberts has to go. Um, or you know the so. Dodgers like oh like they 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 blew it whatever I mean we we heard it all with the Mets oh Mets won 101 games and they lost uh got eliminated in three like whatever well, well but Schultz is a bum apparently yeah and, and that's the thing is if you're a fan of a team sorry go ahead would you rather in ten years make the playoffs every year in one in one one World Series or would you rather only make it once or twice and win one championship I know it's more enjoyable winning. Like, yeah. like e- even if it results in the same amount of championships, one gives you infinitely better chances at winning more championships than the other does. Sean, we've had this conversation before and the actual baseball life Facebook group, that same question was posed. Would you rather, uh, you know, have your team make the playoffs and only win one championship, uh, kind of like the Braves did in the 90s and early 2000s and the Dodgers are doing right now? Or would you rather be the Marlins where you make the playoffs once, but you win a World Series and people? Chose, I'd rather be the Marlins. At least, you know, you, you are guaranteed. Like, have you seen what the Marlins are doing? They can't pack, they can't pack that brand new spanking ballpark. It's an embarrassment to have a, a, a giant ballpark like that and have like 10 people show up. They are a mess. I mean, as much as we applaud them for, for what they're doing with their, uh, uh, and cultivating some of the young talent, it's still a mess. And, and we're finding out that a lot of that young talent is, is uh, uh, concentrated on their pitching staff and, the only hitter worth of note is Jazz Chisholm, and he's a wild card. Yep. And, and it's just a, a mismanagement of uh, of of unfortunate events happening down there. Um, and is that what you want? And I'm sorry. Look yourself in the mirror, baseball fan, and you got to tell yourself, be honest with yourself. Do you want your team to be like the Marlins? And the answer is hell no. Even with the championships, what they haven't done anything since 2003. Yeah, they made the playoffs in 2020, but you know that was a special case, special year. The same people who are applauding the Marlins making the playoffs in 2020 are the same people who are making fun of the Dodgers winning World Series championship in 2020. So which one is it? So I'm sorry, dude. Give me the Dodgers. Give me that uh, that nice, uh, solid foundation of intelligence, analytics, eye test. All of it. That's because that's what they do over there. And that's what you get. And let's face it, all the other successful teams that we see at the top of the leaderboard, the Yankees, we could make fun of the Yankees all we want, but the Yankees have a solid foundation in the front yep. office. They do a wonderful job in their farm system, constantly uh, spitting out top 100 players in their, in their system. The yep. Astros, we always sing the praises of the Astros. The Mets have wonderful farm system players, and they have a wonderful big league roster as well with an owner who's ready to just 
pour out the money like it's going out of style. <laughs> the Braves, I'm the Brave last year's champion also has a wonderful farm system, also has young players locked up on their big league roster. The Guardians, no one believed in, but as as the season progressed, I remember Sean and I we talked about it. Like, holy crap, they the Guardians have some really good minor leaguers on their system and they could help yeah. right now. And that ended up being the difference for them. Um, was that they were able to just, you know, next man up their way to the playoffs and be in a position to advance to the ALCS. Anyway, uh, speaking of the Mets, uh, I know what went, we know what went wrong there, but this was a very successful season. And it goes back. Would you rather be a 101 winning team who misses out on the division and gets bounced out on the wild card? Or you want to be the Rockies who won 62 games and lost 100 games? At least and, we got the draft pick, the better draft pick. Like, no. Right. No, that's not not in baseball. It doesn't work that way in baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this ain't the NBA. Sorry, guys. I mean, it, it's a it, 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 baby steps, right? It's good for actually the Rockets won sixty eight games. It's the Reds who won sixty two games and lost hundred. But even the Reds, they have some decent young players that you can look towards the future, oh, yeah. which the Rockies do not. The Rockies are a mess from top to bottom. They have no future. They have no sense of direction. They have uh, awful ownership. Well, I don't know who their GM is, and they just sign guys for the sake of signing guys who don't pan out. And, and they can't, and they still play in Colorado, so that means their pitching is always going to suck. Go ahead, Sean. You know what blows my mind? If you go back and you look, the Reds and the Pirates won 62 games. The Tigers and Royals won 66 and 65 games. The Rangers won 68. How Ooh. much money did they spend this offseason? And they lot. won five or six more games than what we consider the worst teams in baseball. I mean, the Athletics, obviously, worst record in baseball, 60 and 102. But to think that for all that they spent, they finished just a few games ahead of the Reds, the Pirates, the Tigers, the Royals. Like, oh my, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Rangers are, well, you know, let's talk about the bad teams. Let's go from the 20th, be- uh, the 20th best team to the 30th best team. You know? So, 20 ranked teams ranked 20th and 30th, and they are for those who can't see and are listening to audio only. The 20th and 20th place was the Angels, 21st was the Rangers, 22nd were the Tigers. 23rd was the D-backs, 24th were the Cubs, 25th were the Rockies, 26th were the Reds, 27th was the Royals, 28th were the Athletics, 29th were the Pirates, and 30th were the Nationals. Austin, what team do you think is going to move all uh is going to move up the rankings for next season? Uh well, out of these teams that are that are that are here, I'm going to I would put my money on the D-backs. Oh yeah. Um uh, I think the Diamondbacks have a young core that's going to be really good. I really like what the Diamondbacks are doing. Um, they're young. They're promising. They need to, and they have good fielding, right? And we talked about that earlier in the episode. Um, tw- I mean, they're in the top five, top three in defensive run save, whatever defensive statistic. Defensively, they're really good. Offensively, they're getting there. They're not great but they are getting there i think they need a couple other offensive pieces and and they'll be good i think i don't think tory lavulo is quite the manager that the that the diamondbacks need but he is your manager at this point their starting pitching was decent their their bullpen was awful it was mm-hmm. really bad and i think that was the bane of the d-backs existence was was the relief pitching. I think if they had a better bullpen, they probably would have been able to have more wins. Um, But I think with this young core that the D-backs have, I wouldn't be surprised to see them not necessarily competing against the Dodgers and the Padres, but making the Dodgers and Padres sweat a little bit next year. And I'm thinking within 
a year or two, we'll see the Diamondbacks actually be relevant again. Out of those, I think the Diamondbacks will probably raise uh, or will probably rise in the rankings a little more. Um, being an Angels fan, I got a comment on the Angels. What I think is really interesting was I have, and I think many Angels fans have screamed for you know, since 2014, we need starting pitching. We need starting pitching. We cannot have any sort of other starting. The starting pitching this year was actually pretty good. Yeah. You know, we, we had a very underratedly good starting pitching staff. Our bullpen was what killed us. Whereas two years ago, it was the other way around. Our bullpen was pretty good, but they were tired because our starting pitching sucked. Man, it's not just the bullpen though. It's everything bad. But it's, 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 and our offense is really bad too. We, we, you know, we have, I can't even blame Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout was hurt, but he missed, but he missed 40 games, 40 games or whatever it was, and still was in, still had an incredible season. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and Shohei Otani, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Shohei Otani credit. I did not think that he was going to be able to pull off this type of season two years in a row. It's fantastic what we're seeing, but you cannot have Shohei Otani as your ace. You cannot. And you need other offensive pieces. Anthony Rendon is always hurt. And after Anthony Rendon, who else do we got? We don't, they don't have anybody else in the line, in the offensive lineup that's got any sort of thump. You had yeah. Jared Walsh, who it looked like was one, uh, one year wonder at this point. And then Max Stassi again, another one year wonder in 2020, but after Otani and after Mike Trout, they don't have anybody offensively. Um, and they don't, and I mean, they have a good, they have good starting pitching, but they don't have enough starting pitching to have a six man rotation to make Otani work. And their and our bullpen is, was terrible. So, you know, but to answer your original question, the D-backs. Yeah. And it's, uh, it goes back to lack of depth for the angels. I mean, they have Mike Trout, but they got no one else surrounding him. And you just said it, you lose Rendon, you got no one to replace him. And there's nobody coming up the farm system. That's going to be remotely good. Like the, like the guardians did this season, they bring up guys from the, they bring up a guy like like Nolan Jones and and he uh, contributes right away. Unfortunately, he did falter because he is a rookie. He's left-handed. What I say about those, but then, they, hitters, but then they had another guy. They, they had, had like, another it, guy. It, it, yep. it was just one guy after another because they had several of the top prospects, like you said, that they brought up. Yep. Had like a good, a good week or so, um, and then they ended up going back down, and called up another prospect, and boom, that guy hit for a little bit. Yep. So uh, it was just like the depth of that uh, minor league talent as well. And uh, Sean, did you give your uh, who's going to be better if, for next season? If I had the- to pick one for next year alone in terms of rising up. I would probably lean towards the Royals. Mm. Um, I think they got a a big boost this year and seeing some of their position player talents. Of course, they made a couple of trades acquiring Drew Waters, who I'm half and half about. I think the hits was all over the place, but I think the biggest thing for them was Bobby Witt uh, ended up being right below league average as a hitter, only a 294 uh, on base, but those 630 some odd plate appearances he had this year, that's immeasurably valuable just as a learning experience that he played the entire year. He stayed healthy. Um, but the the big guy who I really expect to take a huge leap forward uh, got called up, only played half the year was Vinny Pasquantino. I think he is going to be a legit, um, like one of the best DHs first baseman in, in, in baseball. I think he's that type of hitter. 
Um, as well as, you know, they acquired a couple of other guys uh, or at least called them up. Michael Massey at second base seems to have taken over for Whitten Merrifield. Um, we saw guys like Kyle Isbell, Nate Eaton, who has the strongest arm in baseball out in the outfield. Uh, a lot of speed. They're still the Royals. They still have speed everywhere. Uh, the hit tools probably aren't as good as those 14, 15 Royals. But uh, Edward Oliveira's got some playing time down the stretch. Yeah. And uh, the, the pitching, you know, they, they finally had one of their guys do good. Of course, some of the other ones are still, I don't want to say lost causes, but uh, who, who was it? So Singer had the great year this year, 3-2 oh, yeah. ERA. Um, and it, it's, even though Singer, like, that didn't happen overnight. Like, he had a couple years or so of struggling, and he had a good year. So maybe one of those other guys who's struggled, you know, like a Daniel Lynch, uh, maybe he takes a step forward next year. Um, so if I had to pick for just next year, it would be the Royals. If I had to pick from like maybe in two or three years, I'd probably the say Cubs. the Reds. I would oh, say I the Reds. I'd say, I'd say the Reds. I thought you were going to say the Cubs. Where, like our, where our, every person is going to ha- have like a shortstop secondary. You're going to yeah. have a shortstop in left field, a shortstop in center field, and they're just going to hit a lot of home runs. So yeah, that'll be I think that I was going to say the Reds too from this list, although I do like the Royals for next season, but I was going to say the Reds of this team and maybe even the D-backs, but Austin already mentioned the D-backs. So yeah, I, was, I would have liked the D-backs, but Austin took them. <laughs> but I will mention the Reds to at least sneak into the top 20 and not be 26. I know we got a Cubs fan in our baseball life league, who our baseball life group who I was insists, gonna make that joke. insists that the Cubs are going to make noise next year. Like where? <laughs> I've never seen a fan base get so excited for a bunch of 30 year olds. Oh, wait till next season. You guys like, Oh yeah. This is the same group that got excited about Frank Schwindel. Where is he now? Nowhere uh-huh. to be found. No one yep. cares about him anyway, but the, the only Reds, noise they're going to make is the collective sigh of being bad. <laughs> oh, that's going to be awful. But hey, Wrigley Field's going to jam 40,000 people once again, because it is a, a prime. Um, it's a prime uh, tourist attraction. So, Hey, you know what the number one thing I loved about the Cubs this year? Mm. They were the first team to finally give Esteban Kiros a chance at the major leagues. Okay. Uh, had, had you, he was, I don't know the, who the, that the, is. Okay. So, 30, I don't, 30, I don't 30, care who that okay. is. No, no. 30 years old. Your favorite part, Felipe. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Five, seven was a second baseman in the Mexican league. And then he came over, I think Boston and Tampa had him for a few years. He's done absolutely, but nothing like rake in the minor leagues. Mm. Uh, all the way, I think he had ended up back in the Mexican League in 2020, came back with Tampa in 21, good plate discipline. Uh, but yeah, he got to play like the last 15 games. And like, he's like just a fun player. I mean, he's a DH because he's a terrible fielder, but still. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm more excited about Fran Mill Reyes being on this team, but even then, it's <laughs> Fran, Mil- Fran Mil- Reyes uh, has a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a character. It's uh, to my surprise. Um He's a he's a pretty uh, fun guy. They did an interview with him uh, on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I forgot what team they were facing, but they they did an entire uh, half inning with him, and and he was very fun and entertaining. But I'm looking at the roster right now, and it's like Patrick Wisdom. They, they these are the same the same fan base that got excited for Patrick Wisdom and his forty percent strikeout no, rate. Yeah. The hell out of here, Christopher Morel still free swinging. Not we don't know what we have. He. Swiss Army knife type of player, but I'm not excited. Rafael Ortega, yay, we got Rafael Ortega on the team. He's 31 years old. Yay, we have the catcher of the future. And Jan Gomes, 35 years old. <laughs> Nick Magical, he's always hurt. You think Nico, he put enough money on the Cubs to buy a PS5? I, just, <laughs> I would love to see him lose $500 on the Cubs if he 
bets him to make the wild card next season. I would nothing would make me happier just to shut him up about this. Like I don't understand how Cup fans can be excited unless because a lot of their bet. I mean, we talk about this. Sean, there, There's their, one name, one name for them to be excited about. I then that from my point of view, only one name Donald. that they. Ooh, Matt Mervis. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's whatever. like the only name that next year might be fun to watch. Nah, I'm not going to get excited for the squad, man. I mean, a lot of their top prospects are still like in the single A levels. And Brennan Davis can't, his back is already hurting him. He can't he, stay healthy. Joe Adele 2.0. Oh, terrible. That's not what we need. And then what? David Bodie, the guy who they signed five, to a five year contract like three years ago or something like that. He's about to be 29. Zach McKinstry, he's just a utility player. On a team full of utility players, they have more utility players on the bench. And then their rotation is a bunch of 30-year-olds, too. Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, uh, Adrian Sampson. Justin Steele is 27, and he's just mad. Even though people swear he's really, really good. Keegan Thompson is just mad. Even, pe- even though people haven't suckered into thinking that he's really good. And then we kind of got lucky with Hayden Wisniewski, who might turn into something uh, decent. But he could be Shane Bieber when... Let me rephrase that. He could be Shane Bieber the way they were describing Shane Bieber before he became a Cy Young Award winner. Because yeah. many, 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 many scouts did not think Shane Bieber was ever going to turn into what we know. Shane oh, they Bieber they, they thought he wasn't going to be able to strike people out. I mean, no. he was he, he was always a command guy. He was always a plus command guy. Yeah, but nobody that, saw the strikeouts really coming. Oh, I thought you said that they that they were expecting. Sorry, yes. You're oh right. no, yeah, no. He was always the control guy, the guy who will limit like his the sub one, like almost like Chris Paddock. Like once, Chris Chris Paddock was in the like that same category of like if they can at least get to one strikeout per inning, they'll be a good major league pitcher. And and Paddock came with a lot more fanfare than Beaver. Ever oh yeah, did. way and, more, and, way more. And Beaver, um. Beaver, I bet Bieber. <laughs> sorry, Bieber. Justin Bieber has uh, the one broadcaster called him the other night. Oh, Bob Costas, he called him Justin Bieber. Yeah, uh, I heard. I heard about that. I know didn't see it, but I heard about yeah, it. He did. He did call him that. Um, the best at best, they said one scouting report had him at best a mid rotation starter, like a number four pitching yeah. for that Guardians team back when the Guardians had a bunch of uh, a solid uh rotation guys that were people were getting excited about but yeah i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna hold my breath for this team it, it, you just can't do it not for this team i don't know where you're getting 87 wins out no. of this team unless God, they no. go crazy <laughs> no. unless they go crazy in free agency and even then you still have a lot more holes to plug up but the reds that's my team apparently the cubs are connected to judge so uh... all right so, i think they uh... have a better chance of trey tartar <laughs> I mean that that's a step in the right direction, but we saw what happened with the Rangers when you don't yeah. have all your pieces. No, yeah, just, like um, if, if you're spending money at like premium money now and you don't have the rest set, then what are you even doing? I think they, I think Judge will go back to the Yankees. I think yeah, well, what, oh yeah, yeah, because the the Cubs have enough to be a 75, even maybe sneak 80 wins just because they play in the same division as the Pirates and 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 the Reds are always a wild card. But I'm gonna go with the Reds as my team to click to go inside the top 20 next year because i still believe in jonathan india so we got a good healthy season out of full healthy season out of jonathan india and get a full healthy season as tyler stevenson um i, I don't know what their contract situation is i have to assume that they're still locked up yeah yeah it, yeah they're they're under team control for like three or four more years otherwise they would have been traded last year right <laughs> this past <laughs> season uh jake jake fraley uh kind of came on strong to finish out the year and nick senzel might finally get some playing time and live up to some of those expectations everybody had about him not that i'm holding my breath but their rotation is just so damn good and it's the opposite of the cubs they have a bunch of young guys and hunter green and nick lodolo grash ash graham ashcraft sorry yeah. 
And then uh, your your guy, Alexis Diaz, coming out of the bullpen. Lucas yep. Sims might actually stay healthy for once and light up the radar gun like he used to. TJ Anton, you might get a full season out of him. And we all were excited before he got hurt. And Art Warren might come back. Uh, oh, never mind. I didn't realize he had elbow surgery. Never mind. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned the farm system. Let's see if we can spot them. Ellie De La Cruz, we talk about in, uh, in very high uh, regard. Noel V. Marte, who they got from the Mariners. Also, Edwin Arroyo. Edwin Arroyo, Brandon Williamson is a promising starting pitcher in yep. where the hell is he? Triple A. So he might be coming up soon. Um, and he's listed in the top 100 for the fan graphs. Yeah. 100, my my issue with Cleveland is I think they next year, they're still really bad. And then it's the year after that. They're really good. Yeah. They're not I, I, even I mean, like really good, but they could win the division in two years. You mean Cincinnati? You said Cleveland. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you meant Cleveland. No, but. <laughs> But I, I can see them just making strides. And not that, again, progression isn't always linear, but you did see, uh, um, you know, you did see some of these guys get their feet wet this season. You see uh, the pieces. You see, like, the pieces. Like, you, you see the the pitching foundation. You yeah. see some of the hitting foundation. And then you got guys in AA, AAA that in the next year and a half or so, I mean, I'm sure a couple of those guys will make debuts next year, but it won't be like meaningful. Like right. it'll, it'll be the right. next, it'll just get them um, used to the major leagues. And then yeah, they exactly. take the step for the next year. Kind of like how the D backs were doing it this year. And the other, who yeah. the hell's the other team that did it? Um, I lost track anyway. Um, Oh, the, you mentioned the Royals. Yeah, the Royals yeah, were the other Royals. one. All right, let's go back up to the top. So Mets and Braves. The Mets had the better offense, according to the numbers, a better starting rotation for obvious reasons. Uh, But the Braves had a better bullpen. And better defense, thanks to guys like Michael Harris, the second, just showing up to salvage that team. And, uh, I mean, this is a pretty similar stat line. Excuse me. The Mets uh, ended up edging out the uh, the Braves uh, the entire season. It was a very close NL East division. And the biggest difference being the run differential. The Braves were at 180 and the Mets were at 166. That was probably... In a game of inches, that was probably the deciding yeah. factor for the Braves getting that bye week and the Mets not getting the bye week. Either way, both teams are eliminated, which means the Phillies are the best team in the National League, according <laughs> to people. Uh, but what do you think was the big difference? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was a really good season. So I guess I guess the real question should be, Sean, you're a Mets fan. Where did it go wrong in this playoffs? I, I think the playoffs was one of those. Uh, one, it's major league baseball playoffs literally it's anything happens uh, nothing surprises me anymore uh like we've seen the dodgers the last basically decade half decade be consistently the best team in baseball and then they get to the playoffs and they lose in this round or they lose in this round it's like anything can happen so it, nothing surprises me with them but with them i think the one thing that i kind of saw was maybe they um, one they were the oldest team in baseball this year and I think they leaned very heavily. They actually had pretty good luck in terms of injuries, aside from, you know, DeGrom missing the first half and Scherzer being out for about six weeks. Uh, other than that, they're pretty lucky health-wise. It just felt like they maybe ran out of gas. I mean, Francisco Lindor broke his damn finger and played 161 games. Pete Alonso, I think, only sat for like four. Um, and it just seemed that they went into that series – and uh, both the Padres and the Phillies, I wanted no part of in the wild card, just the way their roster was set up, um, especially for a three-game series. San Diego, you knew, was going to throw Darvish, uh, Musgrove, Snell, and some combination. And the Phillies, you knew you were going to have to face Wheeler and Nola two out of three games. Um, 
And at that point, you know, the Mets huge advantage in terms of pitching with uh, DeGrom and Scherzer. Um, I don't want to say almost gets neutralized, but it becomes less advantageous uh, yeah. because the other team is throwing um, just as good starters. Um, so, yeah, it, and, and, then, in the hit, and then in the hitting, it just kind of who breaks first. Um, I think it's a little more of a simple explanation here. I think it's very much the Mets and Braves battled for the NL East for a long time. And they had to continually just grind and battle and grind and battle. I think at the yeah. end, both of them were tired. I, I don't think I, so. I don't I, think so. They, I think both teams I mean, had that, really that good last stuff. game that the yeah. Braves played yesterday, they played with zero fire. There was just, they were, they came out, they were flat. They almost looked like they didn't want to be there. I mean, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is out there just standing there picking his nose out there in right field. Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and you know, the Mets, you know, in the wild card, they fell apart. They, you know, but I would say the Braves played a little flatter. And I think it's because the Braves had to constantly grind to get back up to the division win. And honestly, uh, I think, I don't know, I think, man, they, I they think played, they retired. They played a lot of easy teams to get there. We saw the schedules and it wasn't that hard to catch up to the Mets. It ended up being more like an ebb and flow kind of thing where one team had the event. Well, no, really, there was a time where both teams were winning at the same time and they were yeah. getting it. And any then when the, when the Braves finally started losing, the Mets were also losing. Like so, the, yeah. they, the, neither could really gain that much ground on the other in September. Plus uh, but they were, they were I, well I do, rested though. The yeah. Braves were, they had that bye week for a reason that they really but wanted. I, I, I also think that kills some momentum. And I think that's what the Phillies had going for them the most. Like the Braves did have the, that momentum. They finally, they reached the top of the mountain. They, you know, won the division via tiebreaker. It's like, okay, we made it, and then you sit for five days. Uh, the the Mets on the opposite end, they feel a bit of a letdown. They go into that three game wild card series feeling like they left shit on the table. Um, in the, meanwhile, the Phillies, the Phillies were battling up until basically four games left uh, or four or five games left with the Brewers, and so at that point they're feeling, hey, we made it. Like all we had to do was just keep playing like we did. Because they had a terrible first two months. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard both sides of this argument before, time and time again. It doesn't matter. Some momentum or well rest. Some teams would prefer the rest. Other teams would prefer playing. It just depends who you're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, the Braves were pretty beat up, like you said. So they maybe they needed that rest. Maybe they didn't care for momentum. And the Phillies, well, we saw what happened. The Phillies figured out their bullpen and and they got Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler at the top of the anchor, yeah. which you have said all along. I don't want the, any part of that. And yeah. that's what happened. The Braves got that part of it and. They suffer for it. Uh, who's who's sighing over? Who's huffing and puffing over there? I can't. Oh, I didn't see. Oh, is that Austin huffing and puffing? Did you have something to say add to that? No, I didn't say anything. Uh, oh, oh, I thought you were saying something. No, <laughs> it's, it's probably Sean's allergies. But no, uh, I, I like I I hate that argument. Oh well, they were tired. Oh, they lost momentum. Or oh, the the Astros look fine, not getting any, any momentum and just getting the bye week and uh, and demolishing the Mar- well, not even demolishing. They <laughs> yeah, but the Astros <laughs> the Astros also had an easier division. The Astros didn't have to compete for that division. Yeah, all the more reason. And, and, but still, it's the same argument about the momentum. Like, well, they, the Astros also got a chance to rest their players and and fend off a Mariners team who were looking to uh, bounce them out. And the Mariners actually got up and running, you know, building off the momentum yeah. from the wild card run. And the Astros just basically said, okay, that was cute, but we're playing for real now. And they won three very dramatic games in late inning fashion, heroic fashion, memorable fashion. And the Mariners are at home and the Astros advance. And 
that's it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I, I, to me, these intangibles about, well, this team needed more rest. This team, well, some teams need rest and some teams don't. Some teams momentum, some teams don't. It, it's just, it's, it's baseball. It's a roll of the dice and see yeah. what happens. That's all it <laughs> that's, is. The, and, that, and that's where I, I keep coming down to with Major League Baseball playoffs. It's like, I always go back to what was the 07 Rockies. Yeah. I mean, who just, they, they didn't lose a game like through September, like the last, what was it, like a 15 game win streak. And it's like they just went through, and absolutely stormed through the National League side of the playoffs. And then they either got swept or they only won one game in the World Series. And it's just like one of those. It's like you said, throw the dice, see what happens. Yeah, uh, you fans you, you can build teams to win the regular season, but you can't build a team to win the playoffs. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I 100% believe that. I mean, it, it goes down, which I mean, it goes back to what we asked earlier today. Okay, let's ask, would you rather be the team that wins hundred plus games yep. racks up the division and with plenty of time. So now you're, you can set your lineup in time for the, for your first playoff series, or you want to be the Phillies who have to scrap and claw their way yep. into the playoffs by the dumbest of chances. And and then you still got to win three games in order to get to the division series. Who would you rather root for? Who, what would you want your team to do? Would you want your team to keep playing and playing until their dog ass tired? Or you want them to be well rested for the next round? Depends, right? It depends on a lot of things. But I'm sorry. Personally, I want my team to be skipping yep. any unnecessary games that they don't have to play. Okay. I, I it, it gives you the best chance. I think it does, but yeah. obviously not in this, not it, this year, though. Not yeah, yeah. Year. There there are some teams where it definitely wouldn't, but on the whole, if we go forward, you know, with this format for obviously how long was the CBA agreed for? Five years. I, I can't like, remember. I, I can't remember. That was just kind of was like, with. like obviously it'll be. We'll see what it looks like, but I think there is something to say about some teams need the rest, some teams don't. Uh, older team maybe wants that rest, or maybe they're like the Braves, like you said with Spencer Strider. He was hurt. They needed that five games to really, and even then he goes out there and he still, you could tell he was not right. Um, yeah, yeah. But exactly. it's it, 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 it's a, it's a really weird. Um, but to Austin's point, Atlanta did look really flat yesterday. Yeah. I thought that was a winnable game. You knew it going in, it's a bullpen game. Like, yes, Syndergaard is starting, but he's been out of the bullpen for the last three weeks. Like, you and know he's not going to go six, seven innings. Like, you know this is a bullpen game. You have a chance. And you – it they kind of – they died by how they lived this year. They hit three solo home runs, and that was it. And to to go back to that momentum thing that, that you know that this team had to chase to get into the wild card like the Phillies on the opposite side of the spectrum, the Rays barely got into the playoffs. And how what that get them? Nothing, nothing at all. So there they make the wild card. Thanks for the I thought the we'll Rays were year. pretty much I thought the Rays were pretty much in it the entire year, though. Oh yeah, you never discount the Rays, but I mean you're seeing it on the chart. 86 wins. Okay, yeah, they okay, they, they only did only win 86 damn. And they barely made the playoffs. They had to yeah. uh, wait for the Orioles to finally eliminate themselves. That's what that's what it was. Okay. Something like that, because the Blue Jays ended up uh, oh geez, the Blue Jays wound up winning 92 games. I yeah. well, I did not see that coming. But the Rays, right? That same same mentality as the Phillies that we have to keep winning every and they got a tough schedule. Remember that? That was like a big thing. Oh, the Rays are screwed. They're screwed. They're, they have a tough schedule. They're not going to win anything. They, 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 they just schedule's too hard. The schedule's just too hard. And I think the Major League Baseball <laughs> really screwed them over in the schedule and they barely make the playoffs. So you think, oh, well, they've been competing against these tough teams. They're playoff tested because they've been playing playoff games all September and they laid an egg. Who they, I don't even know who they play. Who the frick did they the play? Mariners, the, the Mariners. Mariners. The Mariners. <laughs> 
yeah, they, yeah basically, they lost they lost two straight, right? They basically, the three games. They basically play their twin. The, the Mariners basically are the, the Rays of the West. We talked about that. Well, actually, the Giants last year were the Rays of the West. But anyway, I digress. I don't know. There's just for every example of, oh, well, they have the momentum. Oh, well, they they rested too much. They were rusty. A team like the Rays probably could have used that rest because they they were probably exhausted from having to play all these playoff games in September. Anyway, yeah. so that's the Phillies. That's the Rays. A team that kind of came out of nowhere to be eighth on this chart despite finishing 81 and 81. The I, I I I just noticed this, and I want to know. I under, I realize you use Sierra for the starting pitchers. I just I don't understand. I, I went and I looked at their guys, how <laughs> they were number one. I mean, it was basically literally Carlos Rodon yep. and Logan Webb. That was it. Yep, pretty much. And like, and, uh, how were they better than the? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was because the Dodgers really didn't strike out that many guys in terms of their starting rotation. They had a couple of really good guys, but Tyler Anderson, who pitched a lot of innings, didn't. So I was very interesting or interested when I saw this. I was it, like, "What?" Yeah, it's uh, you never know what these uh, numbers are going to do. But uh, yeah, you, you mentioned it. It's basically Carlos Rodon being. I'm seeing it right now in front of me. He was basically the, the second best starting pitcher in all of baseball yeah. this season, according and, to. And I think he was Ford. arguably the best strikeout pitcher. I believe he either had the highest uh, strikeout percentage or uh, K per nine. I'd have to yeah. go back and look, but uh, let's see here. So I, I dropped it down to 50 innings pitch just for giggles and Rodan is top five, but he also uh, pitched the most innings of anyone in that top five. Yeah, the other so... guys are Jake, the Grom, Spencer Strider, duh, Andrew Haney and Blake Snell uh, uh, above the 11.98 strikeout per nine that Rodan uh, posted this season. Yeah, 33.4K percentage. Uh, that's number one among all qualified uh, Major League starters. Oh, um, you know what it number is, Number two I... is Shohei Otani at 33.2. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is, Sean? So the best Sierra team, right? Sierra accounts for uh, balls in play. Yeah. Uh, the Giants were the worst defensive team in Mall of Baseball. Uh, you see that? Yeah, I, I noticed that they had a giant outfield. Uh, or they've always had a giant outfield. They always but have a giant outfield. Yeah. I, I noticed that. I noticed that just, <laughs> just this year they had a giant outfield. Oh, kill me now. Uh, but no, it was, um, yeah, that their outfield defense this year was like absolutely terrible. And I was like, huh, I wonder what happened. And I realized Jock Peterson played like 130 games for him. I was like, oh, this makes all, this all makes sense now. Yeah, I remember Jack Peterson was supposed to be a really good uh, outfield defensive outfield prospect when he was coming up with the Dodgers, and look at where that got him. But they also, I think, uh, just the idea that they were just interchangeably uh, using their players in that manner where yeah. they didn't have a solid lineup, which it's not always – I mean, that's the way the teams are. The Rays have been successful doing it that way. But I think – I feel like the Giants do it more than anybody else at this point of the, uh, of, of uh, the baseball arc that we are experiencing at the moment. Uh, but yeah, you have a team like with Brandon Crawford and you still finish dead last in DRS. That's a problem. And But other than that, uh, the numbers like the Giants, I don't know if I like them for next season uh, to come back and give the Guardian, I'm sorry, give the Dodgers and the uh, and the Padres some fits next season. But uh, as long as the Giants continue to do giant things, they can take advantage of that ginormous ballpark and their starting pitchers and their bullpens can continue to flourish and just do enough on offense to squeak by. They might be that pesky team next season as well that is just going to make everybody scratch their heads and make us wonder, how the hell are they doing this? 
because they really don't even have anybody coming out of the up the pipeline, right? No, so- their 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 farm system's pretty barren. Also, now that I go and I look at it, uh, the Giants finished second in ERA minus FIP, uh, behind only Colorado, who Colorado almost always leads in, in that category just because of their ballpark. Yeah, but yeah, they had a the Giants had a three point six eight um, starters ERA, but a three point one FIP. Um, Alex Wood was a big part of that. He had like an ERA over five, but his FIP was like in the threes. So, um, yeah. And he was a guy who made a lot of like 25 starts for him. So, and, and we go back to moving down Rays, Blue Jays, top 10 teams. Blue Jays had the better offense by far over the yeah. Rays, but the Rays, as always, have the better starting rotation. Bullpens were kind of tight and close. Defensively, the uh, Blue Jays were better. Uh, but the Blue Jays end up uh, on the short stick of these rankings, despite them winning 92 games. Uh, so, and, but either way, both teams are eliminated. Um, wait, didn't the Blue Jays lose to the Mariners? Yes, thought, that, that's uh, you said you had no clue who they played, and we were like the Mariners. No, no, no. no. I asked who the Rays were playing. Oh, the Rays. Play... Oh, the Rays Guardians. The Rays play the Guardians. Yeah, the Guardians. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because they yes. went scoreless through 15. That's right. Yeah, you thought. <laughs> You thought 15 innings was rough. Wait until the next series when there's uh, 18 innings yeah. where no one that, that record stood for all of about four days. <laughs> yeah, so much for a pitching shortage here. Uh, I don't know, Austin. What do you make of uh, the race finishing ahead in these rankings, despite the fact that they only won 86 games uh, ahead of the Blue Jays here? Uh, I think the Rays finishing ahead of this is simply because the Rays had a better pitching staff and you yeah. said it at the top of the show the uh pitching staff the in this in terms of this spreadsheet the pitching staff was better or the pitching staff was weighted more yeah. um so you know you have a better pitching staff and when it's weighted more you're gonna you're gonna rank higher um and i think that's pretty indicative to the season for the Rays and the Blue Jays. If I want, if I had to choose between the two, I would have rather have faced the Blue Jays simply because I think that their pitching staff was a little more hittable, and you know I could probably counteract um, their offense with um, with scoring some runs. Um, I took I took a minute and I kind of took some other things into consideration. I took uh, Babip into consideration. I took in FIP and Sierra for both um, uh, relief and starting pitching. I took in fielding and overall, I still have that the Rays are a better team than the Blue Jays. Um, the Blue Jays have some work to do. They fell on their face this year. Yeah, and that's their window right now with Guerrero, Bichette. I mean, the offense is for real. Uh, even the fielding is yep. promising. But, yeah, they need to do something about that pitching, which I thought this was the best bullpen coming into the season that they've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. And that the – excuse me, the rotation. I thought the rotation was looked pretty good this as well coming into the season, yeah, even when you with have Jose a, Barrios. Go yeah, ahead. When you have a rotation with, um, with Alec Manoa – who mm-hmm. I really think is going to be, and I said it on the, I said it on the express show, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think Alec Manoa in a couple of years will be the ace of that staff. Mm. Um, Alec Manoa is a really good pitcher. You have Kevin Gosman, you know, I, that bull, that, uh, that rotation was really good. I think Barrios uh, kills them for <laughs> sure. Um, but even then one pitcher does not kill an entire team. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's collective. Um, I think they got to have a little bit of a better bullpen and, you know, they just got to have a little more consistency out of their pitching staff. Um, yeah. yeah I, they I have the that. offense. They have the offense. They need better pitching. 
And then we move to the Padres, who are the uh, flavor of the uh, of the week so far for eliminating eliminating the Dodgers. And this is how they did it: really good offense, really good uh, rotation, really good bullpen. Man, you guys know me, man. I've been singing the praises of the of the Padres bullpen since the very beginning. Actually, for the last three or four years, I've been singing their praises out of that bullpen. I always love their bullpen coming in. And last night, uh, I forgot if it was on Fox or if it was on MLB Network, where they're like. Who knew who Robert Suarez was coming into the season? Um, I'm raising my hand right here. Me. I was so yeah, excited about Robert did. Suarez. We Roberto did. Suarez. I, yeah, we called it a long time ago. We were excited. I, uh, thanks for coming. Uh, and, of course, the fielding was a little bit subpar. But uh, that, that probably has a lot to do with Fernando Tatis not being there and just, you know, shifting guys here and everywhere. And they finished 11th in these rankings. Uh, 89 wins uh, this season, plus 45 run differential. Um, I, I don't know how to go on about this, Sean, but, uh, Padres defeated the number two Dodgers yeah. and, uh, who was the other team that they beat? The Mets, uh, the Mets. And the number four Mets. I don't know. What, what do you, what do you uh, count that for? A, a lot of Mets fans want to blame, oh, the Mets lost because they didn't hit enough home runs, you know, especially with the Padres. <laughs> they, they hit four home runs in the first game off max and everyone's like, oh, the, the Mets, they didn't score enough runs. They don't have enough power. I'm like, no. The Padres got where they are. They were one of the worst power hitting teams in baseball. The Padres were the Padres yeah. got where they were because of their pitching. Um, yeah. And like you yeah. said, like we showed earlier, they were one of those teams that limited their strikeouts and maximized their walks. They didn't yep. chase. Yep. They were pretty selective and that only got better with Juan Soto. Um, mm. And the bullpen was one that I like for fantasy purposes. I, I just felt like I needed to avoid because we had no clue who was going to be getting saves, but you know, Tickle me surprised. They ended up being pretty solid. Um, just in terms of it was like uh nobody was bad, nobody was really great. Um, probably Luis Garcia, their best reliever on the year, in terms of just through a lot of innings. Yeah, uh, yeah. former Mets farmhand. And I want to give a shout out to him because nobody probably knows who he even is. But uh Nabil Chrismot appeared in 49 games through almost 65 innings. So he was one of those like multi-inning guys, and he just they they kind of went out there and they would just let them throw like, um, but yeah, a lot of good guys. He, uh, uh, Adrian Morihone kind of converted full time. This was he was a, a starter in the minors, but reliever this year. Yeah, Tim yeah. Hill, uh, the wonky lefty, and his <laughs> four point six nine strikeouts per nine inning, which I haven't <laughs> seen like ever. Point um, one nine home run per nine. Just the funky lefty who keeps the ball on the ground. Like, what's there not to like? And then Robert Suarez has absolutely just carried them yeah. Uh, so far this postseason, uh, throwing whatever inning they need, like their best reliever. And then they've, uh, I don't want to say fix Josh Hader, but Josh Hader has been very good. Oh, I don't, I, 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 I don't want to jinx Josh, though. That's the big difference. Plus the one guy that people are forgetting here, Pierce Johnson, who I believe he showed up in game one. I think it was game one where he's just throwing sliders all over the place and the Dodgers don't know what to make of it. And I, I, the Dodgers ended up winning. If it, I, if I remember correctly, it was game one. Dodgers won anyway, five to three. But uh, Pierce Johnson also made his uh, appearance be known uh, in this playoff series. And he also came up as a starting pitcher for the Cubs. And now he's a bullpen guy who's just, uh, when he's healthy, he is a, a strikeout machine for that team. 
uh, the Padres. So uh, let's see. We got the Mariners at number 12. So the number 12 Mariners, they defeated the Blue Jays is what we agreed upon. Who were the number 10 team the Blue Jays were. And now they end up losing to the number three team in the Astros, the the team that has been a, a thorn on their side in that AL West division. How did they get there? Well, they had a really good offense thanks to uh, the breakout of Julio Rodriguez and um, – I don't know. The season ended so long ago. It feels like I don't. I don't remember most of the guys JP, here. But JP Crawford had a good season this year. Um, JP Crawford, man, he's okay. Uh, you know, you know uh, Cal Relay. Cal Relay was really clutch for them. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say yeah. he necessarily had a good season, but he 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 pulled up when he needed to. No, uh, 27, like, 27 I mean, home runs. So yeah, okay. tw- you you will take from Cal Raleigh. You will take twenty seven home runs. Oh from yeah, the that's right. Position. He led all catchers. Right. Yeah, he led, he led all, all catchers, catchers and home runs. runs. Yeah. And yeah. he was a guy that I, I've been keeping an eye on for the last few years when he was in the minors. Uh, really good in AAA last year. Um, I've had him on my roster multiple times and I always dropped him. Um, but yeah, probably the best nickname in baseball. The, 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 the big dumper. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> but the, yeah, Mar- but the bread and butter. Uh, even though they got 15 points. Uh, for the starting rotation, that is a a, a fifteen uh, learning on the job, fifteen points. Uh, guys with like Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, and they were able to push Robbie Ray to the bullpen. Even though Robbie Ray had a decent season this past year, I know many people are going to say, "Oh, he sucked this year. He was a bust or whatever." Um, but I don't know. Two hundred twelve strikeouts and one hundred eighty nine pitches. I think people will take that more than they yeah. more often than not. Could you imagine, uh, and- like, I don't know, I could you imagine the feeling of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people cheering for you and screaming and, you know, being a fan of you all because you got a big butt? Oh, the big dumper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised more catchers don't have that nickname. Right? For real. The catchers are built, man. I tell you what. Uh, and that resulted in 90 wins, but still only good enough for 12th place, which, hey, still top 12. That's a playoff team right there. Uh, and I mean, look at that. They they got 20 plus points in their bullpen, which we've been also singing their praises all season long. Hell, back in March, we were singing their praises and their defense was really solid as well. But more than solid, it's pretty damn good as well. So um, I guess the question is, can the, where do the Mariners go from here? Remember, progress isn't linear, but this looks like they might have the players to continue to be a second yep. place team for the Astros. <laughs> but yeah. but it, it could turn into one of those National League East situations where mm. you, you have both teams that won 100 games. So, because yeah. I, I think that they are set for a, a while. I, I think they have that kind of talent. I, I just hope it doesn't get short-circuited from the, the guys that they traded this year. Um, but they kind of avoided that by locking up Luis Castillo. Uh, they might have... They might, there might be my early prediction for next year the best rotation in baseball or the best pitching staff overall in baseball. Okay. Wow. Time is flying by. I just noticed that we've been on for a little, little, little while. So let me do a little bit of lightning round. So those are the top 12 teams. Let's uh, give some, uh, 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 let me see, figure out how to do this. But the Brewers finished in 13th, the, the Twins in 14th, the White Sox in 15th, and the Cardinals in 16th place. Uh, Brewers and Cardinals, uh, you know, they were the, uh, the two, uh, uh, the two National League Central uh, standard teams. So Cardinals were better offensively. Uh, the reason why I like the Brewers better than the Cardinals coming into the season was because the Cardinals rotation was in shambles. And as you can see from the Sierra SP, um, Cardinals finished uh, with nine points, yeah. whereas the Brewers finished with 22 points. Bullpens were about the same. Uh, yeah, the Josh Hader struggling at the end with the Brewers really 
uh, cost them. And then the Brewers, the Brewers bullpen was not the same, but neither were the Cardinals. The Cardinals weren't that good either. And the fielding, fielding was very important for these two teams, but yet the Brewers finished ahead in the rankings and the Cardinals did not, but defensively, looking, uh, just overall, overall, the Brewers. Oh, oh, oh yeah. The overall. Ranking. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, that resulted in more wins for the Cardinals and a plus 135 run differential for the Cardinals, whereas the Brewers uh, finished uh, 86 and 76 with a plus 37. Uh, Cardinals, with these rankings, the way they're laid out, kind of seem a little bit fluky, especially with their bad rotation. Uh, quick thoughts on the National League Central going forward, you guys. Awesome. You go. Sean. Uh, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll, okay. I was going to throw it to Austin. Go ahead, Austin. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it. The NL Central is is weak. Um, it's not great. Um, the Cardinals, I feel like are always going to kind of be relevant, uh, towards the end of the year. Um, you know, they, they're another one. I, I, I think my opinion, they're, a very well run, uh, system. They got a good, a good farm. Um, and they're always churning and burning. And if you're not, and if somebody in their farm ain't doing well, there's two other people that they're going to pull up to try and, to try and get, uh, to try and get that production out. Um, I think, they may take a step back because Yachty will not be behind the dish. Um, Yachty or Molina handled the pitching staff like nobody else. And I think it's going to take them a while to figure out how to run a pitching staff without Yachty or Molina behind, behind the plate. Um, hmm. I think it will be a tougher adjustment than many people think for the Cardinals. So I think their pitching staff will will take a step back and their defense in general will take a step back just because Yadier Molina is not behind the dish controlling the game. Um the Brewers I've I think I've said it for the past couple of years the Brewers have pitching. They have no uh they 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 need more offense. Um and according to this here, they need better they need better relief pitching. Their relief yeah. pitching was not great. Yeah. Um, it's very surprising by the way. Yeah, Which it team? was it is very surprising. You said um, Brewers, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought you had, we're still talking about the Cardinals. I was like, Cardinals no, 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 had no. Ryan Helsley. Yeah, the, the, he was really good. <laughs> yeah. The the Brewers, the Brewers, um, they need better relief pitching. I think they need a little more thump on offense. Uh, personally, um, you know, we're always going to talk about how good their starting pitching is, but after that, it's kind of lackluster. Um, so I think you will see the Brewers unless they make a splash uh, in their bullpen. Come uh, this offseason, I think you're going to see the Brewers take a step back. I think you're going to see the Cardinals kind of struggle, but I think the Cardinals are set up a little better than the Brewers right now. Uh, I got a question. So, Yadi Marlena, is he retiring for real this time, or is he just contemplating? Uh, what, what's his deal? Is he really gone? I, I th- he is. I believe he is retiring, um, and he's set to manage Team Puerto Rico for the WBC. Yeah, never say never in this business I, for real. Because, I, but yeah. I feel like I've, I've been, I feel like I've been hearing about Molina going the way of the dinosaur long for a while now, and it just seems like he keeps coming back. But if he's not, uh, Andrew Kneiser, who at one point was a, a highly touted prospect catcher for the Cardinals, he's already twenty seven years old, kind of just uh, you know biding his time for Molina to make up his mind. He's uh, been waiting for this opportunity for a while now, and if he's not ready, the Cardinals mm-hmm. have a. Yvonne the, Herrera. Yvonne Herrera, the 71st ranked uh, prospect. And uh, so I guess Austin is saying that the Cardinals are going to be a little bit better, uh, if not a lot better than the Brewers for next season. Is that how you see it, Sean? Really quick. I, I think I would lean towards the Brewers. Mm. Um, I, I, I was just very interested when I saw 
the Fubar rings, and I saw the Cardinals down where they were. Um, I thought they were one of the best offenses in baseball, which it, it shows out. Uh, yeah. I thought they were one of the best fielding teams in baseball, which shows out. Yeah, and I thought they had one of the best bullpens. Granted, their bullpen shows to be a little bit more uh, towards the middle, uh, but mm-hmm. the start starting pitching wise, you you just looked at them and you were like, this team was not built for the playoffs, uh, yeah. which is I think why Philly handled them so you know kind of easily. Right. Um, you, their three best starters were Wainwright, Michaelis, um, and then Dakota Hudson at 136 innings. But really, they they got big boost from uh, the trade deadline when they got both Quintana and Montgomery. Uh, they both put up really good numbers, but they just don't strike anybody out. They really mm-hmm. relied on that defense. Uh, Jack Flaherty kind of came back at the end of the year. I don't know what Jack Flaherty is anymore. Like it, the, the stuff seems very different. Um, they they brought injury too. Yeah, and they they brought up Matthew Libertor for a few starts, top prospect from the Tampa system. Uh, and that just did not work. I, I don't know what Steven Matz is still under contract, but he only made 10 starts this year, uh, peered out of the bull, bullpen five times. I, I don't know what the Cardinals are doing with their rotation, which means I, I think this might be Milwaukee's year next year because uh, Wainwright will be gone. Um, I don't know. I, Michaelis might be a free agent. I'm not 100% sure, but Quintana mm-hmm. is. Jordan Montgomery will still be there. But, um, yeah, I, I'm really concerned with their pitching. I, I love the offense. Like I said, I, I think they have one of the best, you know, good and well-rounded offenses in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the star power of guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt to the, the pesky guys, Edmund Donovan, to some thumpers like Lars Newtbar and Nolan Gorman, who's going to get even more playing time. That I, I think it makes me laugh every single time. Newtbar? Oh, it's so much Newtbar. fun. Um, so much fun. Yeah, like like I said, I, I think they have a great offense. I, maybe they spend big in free agency because I, I know that they were a team that was looking to uh, trade for Soto and then extend him like immediately. I had heard. Hmm. Um, yeah, so maybe this... they maybe they have a little bit money to spend. I, I don't know how much Wainwright and Yachty take off the books. Probably like twenty five million. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I was very shocked to see a team that kind of decisively won their division be kind of just middle of the pack here. Yeah. And Miles, Austin's... Miles Michaelis has one year left on his contract with the Cardinals. He will be back with the Cardinals in 2023. Interesting. Okay, good, good. Michaelis well, is 34 years old. In yeah, he, he, he's old as shit. <laughs> yeah, but... I didn't think that. I thought he was in his nope. mid twenties still. No, cause he had, he had come up uh, way earlier and then he had gone over to uh, Japan or Korea for a few years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, that yeah, kind of re- changes my mind on Michaelis. Then I was like, oh, I like Michaelis for next year, but he's going to be 34. Holy crap. Yeah, well, okay. hey, if any, if anybody can take advantage of uh, aging pitchers, it's the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, Adam Wainwright. Right. How long have uh, we been uh, talking with about a, a pitch to contact pitcher? No less too. Yeah. And how long have we been waiting on Adam Wainwright to be irrelevant in fantasy circles? And... It's like he became irrelevant and then he became really good again. And it looks like, oh, I remember we were downplaying him in 2020 and then I, I couldn't ignore him anymore. He was doing so well. I picked him up in, uh, in a lot of my baseball teams because he was so damn good that year. Uh, and then, okay, but 2021 for real, he's going to go on the downside. Nope. Just continues to be relevant and continues to be effective. But that's the reason why I picked the Brewers uh, over the Cardinals this past season back in March is because the Cardinals just seem to have so many question marks on their pitching, both the rotation and the bullpen. And it turns out that it was enough to uh, squeak by a, 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 
a, just a, a disorganized Brewers team, it looked like, and yeah. take advantage of playing against the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pikes. It, it especially seemed that Milwaukee, if they wanted to, could have pushed and, you know, maybe made a couple more of aggressive trades or called up somebody like Joey Weimer or Sal yeah. Freelich. Um, but it really seemed like they purposely downshifted. Like, yeah. it was like, okay, we're going to trade Hayter. We're not going to win the division this year. We don't like how we're set up. No, let's just downshift. And they kind of yeah. just put it in neutral and coasted the end of the season. Uh, but next year, they, they have several of their top prospects in AAA. I think they will be one of those teams that has a lot of depth to call upon. So, uh, and then, of course, they still, have, and then they still have Corbin Burns unless they trade him. So. <laughs> We move on to the Twins and White Sox. Twins and White Sox. Uh, let's see. Twins finished in 14th place. The White Sox finished in 15th place, despite the fact that the White Sox finished uh, with three more wins than the Twins. But as you can see from the numbers, Twins had a better, uh, surprisingly, had a better offense. Uh, the pitching was pretty close, but I believe that Dylan C's made all the difference on that, on the White Sox being so ace-like, getting a little bit more points for the White Sox. Bullpen, I'll give you, I'll give the White Sox credit when I've been consistent with this they did a lot of bad things this offseason but one thing they did a great job in was solidifying and building up that bullpen unfortunately they didn't do enough uh for the rotation and they didn't do enough for their offense and their uh uh, uh bench depth and of course the twins will always be a better defensive team than the white Sox because of reasons and but <laughs> And, and the, despite the fact that the Twins actually finished with a positive 12 run differential and the White Sox finished with a negative 31 run differential, the Twins ended up, uh, I'm sorry, the White Sox ended up uh, winning three more games. Like I mentioned, 81 and 81 for the White Sox, 78 wins and 84 losses for the Twins. Uh, with all that being said, uh, it seems like, again, not that progress is linear, but if, if we're going to put a little arrow on these things, I would have to say that the Twins are looking up, especially with how well their farm system is. And if you get some healthy years, some some of their pitchers, I, this might have been it for the White Sox, man. I'm sorry to say that, but this might be it for the White Sox unless they do some drastic changes next offseason, meaning big, big blockbuster trades, big free agent signings have to be made because their farm system – for damn sure is not going to help this club. Yeah. Uh, Sean, am I am I uh, being too dramatic here about the White Sox? Uh, my I, I mean, a, a, a little bit, but I also think that the AL Central is just wide open. Uh, obviously, Cleveland looks like they have a lot of promise. Minnesota always seems to get just betrayed by injury year after year, but I guess that's what happens when you invest in Byron Buxton. Uh, and the White Sox, uh, like you said, I think that's a organizational uh how to describe it yeah it's just like in terms of they had a core and then the core is kind of old but then some of the core is still really young but it's just all over the place like with Robert Cease and like Tim Anderson you would normally be like oh wow that's you know a nice three players to build around up the middle but they're a team that if they wanted to like if they spent even like more they, they could probably put a, a nice team. I just I don't try. I, I just don't trust them. Hold on, Sean. White Sox fans are very quick to point out. Hey, we finished, I think, top ten in payroll this season. What? How much money do you want to spend on this? Well, it's not just spending it, just to spend, but also, yeah, why is he spending it? And the bigger problem is their farm system blows ass. It sucks. Yeah. 
it's awful. It's almost like the Angels, except that the White Sox are a little, a little bit better well-rounded than the Angels, and there's a little bit better organization uh, structure than the Angels at this point. But we're not that far off. Yeah, the yeah White so Sox. The, the White Sox are at like 208,000 right now. Um, that's Thousand. seventh in baseball. Uh, million, two, million. Yeah, million, sorry. It's going to say. Um, <laughs> wow, yeah, they could spend a little bit more. That's behind the Padres and the Red Sox at five and six, but it, more than the Braves at eight at 200 million and the Astros at 192 million, which is almost the same amount that the Angels have spent. So it's definitely not oh, how much you spend. When I said that with the White Sox, I meant like in terms of returning their core from – what was it the really good season they had last year? Um, but I, I just don't I, I just don't know if that's the right move for them to make. Well, and they're move. losing part of that core too. They're losing Jose Abreu. Jose, it, yeah. it's come, well, it's I mean, he's a free agent. You know, he's a free agent. You you can yeah, always that, sign him and back. It says yeah. that Jose Abreu is going to be a free agent, and he's yeah. planning on not returning to the White Sox. Yeah, I wouldn't so, if I were him. I, I, yeah, I, and I I wouldn't either. So he, he's I given think, up so much and he's done so much for that team in terms of just the intangibles. The reason that the White Sox even have a core to begin with is because he basically was that. Pipeline. Yeah, he stayed around. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the pipeline for those Cubans and Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, they're all Cuban. And uh, Yoman Cara, I know he was traded from the Red Sox, but Cuban, that was the Cuban link. Um, and Cuban links uh, the chain. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> really quick speaking, I, I thought he was, I think Jose Obrey should just go to the Marlins and just, you know, live off the sunshine and be close to Havana and all that. But speaking of the Marlins, the 17th best team in all of baseball last year, according to these rankings, uh, I, again, we mentioned Josh Chisholm is the only player worth noting in terms of the offense because the rest of the offense sucks. But the rotation, I mean, Sean, we talk about it all the time. Yep. Rotation in the big league is amazing. The rotation that's coming up in the minor leagues is also pretty damn amazing. They can show up their bullpen and fielding. They could be a dangerous team despite the fact that they are a 69-win team. Nice. Not, not, no, actually not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but a negative 90 run differential. But they're right there with the Cardinals who finished much better than the, than the Marlins. So that's one. And then we'll finish with this. I know uh, Sean spoke on the AL Central uh uh two teams there but the last two teams I'll give this one to Austin the Orioles and the Red Sox right the I know everybody loved the Orioles and waving the the their flag the Orioles flag mighty and proud that the rebuild has <laughs> worked and I'm like what rebuild are you talking about is it Atley Rushman and that's it where's the rest of it why is is hey, what's his hey, Jordan Lyles some, gonna put some respect on Gunnar Henderson's name oh always for sure he's my keeper for next season don't you know <laughs> but uh you know, where, where are the Cy Young votes for Jordan Lyles and Dean Kramer and all that? But here we go. Uh, offensively, the Red Sox and Orioles were about the same. The Red Sox surprisingly had a much better rotation. Not my Michael, much. Michael Walker, Cy Young year. <laughs> and Nate Yovaldi whenever he's healthy, right? Yeah. Uh, but the big difference was the bullpen. The Orioles uh, was basically a top 10 bullpen uh, this season. Thanks to guys like Felix Bautista. And a much better fielding team. So pitching and fielding was the, the thing that was... Uh, uh, on the top of the Orioles success, uh, quote unquote, successful story. I mean, I guess it's successful for them, but uh, you, you know, <laughs> you're just so upset about the it, Orioles. And it's I not love upset. Them. I'm, I'm, it's just so blase. Like who gives a shit? It's the freaking <laughs> Orioles. It's, it's still the same core that no one liked for the last three seasons. All of a sudden, like, Oh yeah. I always believe in Ryan Mountcastle. Oh yeah. Uh, what, what the hell is DJ Stewart's my guy. I always loved DJ Stewart. Oh no. Yeah. DJ Stewart was like old, old. He wasn't a real prospect. I'm just saying uh, he was, I mean, he's part of that core. I mean, that, that young core of players that were coming up, including Austin. What Hayes. even happened? I think he ended up in somewhere else. 
I just play for them this year. Like I said, for me, it's personal because every January, the Orioles are always that team that I look at the roster. I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to myself every damn year? But yeah, Anthony Santander, he blows. I don't care what anybody says about him. He's not that good. Uh, oh, no. Come on, man. 318 on base percentage with a 240 average. I thought that batting average was important. Yeah, he had 33 home runs. But come on. We're really going to hey. start counting on Anthony Santander to build around this year. Uh, for you, well, he's not the guy you're building around. He's the guy he's that's already batting, there. He's batting third. Come on. Okay. And if he's knocking in freaking runs, we'll take it. No, nah, not, not my guy. No. Ryan Mountcastle still 305 on base percentage, but people were celebrating that. Austin Hayes. Can't stay healthy ever, but we're celebrating him all of a sudden. Jorge Mateo, who's been a scrub for the majority of his career. I got him going, Austin. I got him going. <laughs> Suddenly people love him because he, he's he's uh, posting a 267 on-base percentage. And, 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 and Cedric Mullins took a step back and suddenly, but the Orioles ended up being better than last year. And the rotation sucks. We we all know the rotation sucks. The numbers yeah. are, the, the proofs in the numbers. And so the names too, Jordan Lyles, Kyle Bradish, Austin Voth. Come on, guys! Stop, stop, stop celebrating mediocrity. And you know, with all that celebration, the Orioles finished five games ahead of the Red Sox anyway, and they were negative fourteen and run differential to the Red Sox negative fifty-two. So, Austin, with all that being said, and, and knowing that the Red Sox are also in shambles and they are probably a big mess, but they are—they do have better players uh, still with them for now. You know, depending on what who they want to sign and who they don't want to sign to extensions. What's the what do you, what's the future for both these teams next year? Um, I mean, it, it's so funny because we talk about the Red Sox. The Red Sox are really bad one year, and then they're really good the next year, yeah. and then they're really bad one and then next year, and then they're really good again. And I just it's it's so funny. But I mean, when you look at the offensive lineup, you have Trevor Story who. It's yet to be seen. He's one year removed from Coors. It's yet yet to be seen whether that that this year two thirty eight batting average three hundred three OBP is um, more indicative to how he hits, or if it, it was just a bad first year. You have Xander Bogarts. You have Rafael Devers. You have Verdugo. You have you know these guys who you know are pretty pretty good. Right. And then mm-hmm. you have the pitching staff is leaves a lot to be desired. And everybody still gets super excited over Chris sale, who is, I, I, I think Chris sale is done. Like I don't, he keeps getting hurt. I'm not going to believe in Chris sale until Chris sale steps on the mound and actually stays there. <laughs> um, and then, but I mean, your ACE the, so far is Nick Pavetta. Like I'm not, I don't know, either Nick Pavetta or Michael Walker. And I'm not putting a faith, my faith in a pitching staff whose ace is Nick Pavetta and Michael Walker. Oh, the um, disrespect to her Nathan Alvaldi, man. How we forgot about Nate Alvaldi. Yeah, I mean, again, Nate Alvaldi only pitched 109 innings. Yeah. Right. And a 387 <laughs> ERA. I mean, I I don't know. I I was excited about Evaldi last year, not this year. I don't know how excited I am about uh, about him for next year. Um, they do have a closer in John Schreiber who did really well this year, but again, their bullpen is in shambles. But then you look at the you look at the Orioles, and the Orioles really don't have 
anybody offensively that you can get like super excited about this year was fun to watch them kind of, you know, do a little better than they have in years prior. But I mean, you're looking at Adley Rutschman and then after that, it's nobody. Oh, Gunnar Henderson. Henderson. Yeah. Okay. Gunnar Henderson. I'll I'll give Gunnar. I mean, Gunnar Henderson in uh, 34 games hit 259 with a 348 OBP. Okay, great. Cool. But then their pitching staff, my opinion, is even worse than the Red Sox. Um, It's just, it's not good. Um, Your ace is Jordan Lyles, who. Cy Young Award nominee, by the way. Yeah. Last year. Cy Young Award nominee. Get it right. Last year, who I would, I would say last year was probably the worst pitcher in baseball. And then you had a 442 ERA this year and you're the ace. I just, I don't know. I think this year was very lightning in the bottle. I was excited. Um, I will admit I got caught up in the excitement probably mid year, but you know, you, you really look at these guys and you're like, there's just, there isn't anything to get excited about for the, for the Orioles. So I think the Orioles have a lot of work to do. I think the Red Sox have a lot of work to do in order to stay more consistent, but I think the future looks brighter for the Red Sox right now than the Orioles. I will say this. I will say this, and we'll keep and wrap this up. Uh, they did. They are going to eventually have to bring up DL Hall, who's a promising lefty pitcher. He, I mean, he he pitched this year. They did, but come on, not not. And it was like out of the bullpen, yeah. But DL yeah. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, who I'm sure yeah. you're about to name. I was about to name Grayson Rodriguez as yeah. well. That's but still Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, is going to be someone who's going to have to because he's been hurt uh, the last couple of years. Yep. It seems like he's when he gets called up, it's going to be a, a a growing process. As much as I love him, as much as I'm excited about him, I've never seen a pitching prospect with these high grades before uh, in, in terms of like the uh, the prospect grades of the, the fastball and the, the breaking pitches and the, and the command at this young of an age. It's going to be a learning curve for him. So, but yeah, you got Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson. That that that's a good start. But it's everything else that I don't like about this team. Uh, but it, it, one thing you will say is that they have a lot of uh, players uh, under team control still, and the Red Sox do not. And worse for the Red Sox, I don't know who's coming up the pipeline anymore, Sean. Yeah, I mean it's it's Tristan Cassis who already made his debut this year, and then a lot of guys that are pretty far, pretty far away. Oh, oh um, Brian Bello, Brian Bello, he yeah, helped me. Yeah. Uh, he helped me win a fantasy championship against Austin. Jaren Duran, Jaren Duran's fast. Uh, I mean, yeah, but he, yeah. he's been he's he's been up for a while. Um, I, I think the one name, um, and we can stop talking about Baltimore. The one name that you know, Thanks. Tyler Wells had a, a so-so year. Um, I still think he has a lot of untapped potential. A uh, big six-eight right-hander. Um, but the one name, like you said, Dio Hall and Grayson Rodriguez probably pitch for them next year. And you know who else probably pitches for them next year? John Means. I, I think mm. John Means is really a forgotten guy, you know, went down with the Tommy John. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think he'll be a huge boost uh, to Baltimore. And it really kind of – I think he is the anchor of that rotation uh, that allows Grayson Rodriguez and Dio Hall to kind of learn uh, while John Means kind of takes – the, the the I don't want to say the flag, but you know takes the mantle of quote unquote ace takes the Mickey mantle. Yep. Oh. <laughs> um. So yeah, that is it. That was all thirty teams. Well, some teams were not mentioned, like the Pirates, but and the Nationals were not mentioned at all. <laughs> and the Rockies, we made fun of them. The Tigers, we we uh, were surprised by their bullpen. The Angels are always going to be the Angels because of just how badly they're run from top to bottom. Other than that, uh, there's really not much else. Uh, that was basically all 30 teams, and Jesus, it's already 
late in the afternoon. Yeah, but I do thank you guys for <laughs> indulging me on this one. It's I uh, hope this becomes an annual tradition. We've done it for like the last three seasons. Uh, I, I thank Austin for uh, compiling the numbers here. Uh, just so all I have to do is just format it and uh, to my liking and my choosing. So I do thank you, Austin, for stepping up this past week because I was yep. there was no way I was going to have this ready in time. Um, and I hope we all learned something about this, and I hope we are able to, uh, well, see what happens in the future with these teams. I'm not saying that these numbers are indicative as to what's going to happen next season, but uh, they are. They definitely put the uh, perspective into a very fun 2022 MLB season uh, that kind of uh, went by really quickly. You guys, it seems like yeah. it was just yesterday. Oh, we were... yeah. Go ahead. No, no, that, that's what I was saying. I, I was just agreeing, and then that. It felt like the first three months went by really fast and the last two months went by slow. But I mean, even <laughs> though like now it's already over and I'm like, oh, yeah. Now we're uh, we're in the championship series. Well, on the doorstep of the championship series, depending what the Yankees and Guardians do today. Uh, but at any rate, I am Felipe. That is Sean over there. This is Austin down here. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening and take care, everybody. Thank you. See you later, guys.